Hello, my name is Joy Meats, and I'm the director of Dramaturgy and New Works for American Conservatory Theater. Thank you for listening to this podcast. One of my favorite things about art and seeing art is talking about it afterwards with other smart people, with friends. And so for this podcast, which is about Fefu and her friends by Maria Irene Fornes, I'm very happy to be here in conversation with Lisa Ramirez, who is a multi-hyphenate theater artist. She's an actress, she's a playwright, she's a performer. She's from the Bay Area, but has worked all around the country and beyond. She also was a student of Irene's. Thanks so much for joining me, Lisa. My God, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. We're going to divide this up into two parts. The first part is to listen to before you see the play. And then we're going to have a little conversation for after you see the play. Before you see the play, I feel like one of the most important bits of context is just learning a little bit more about Maria Irene Fornes, who is hugely influential. And everybody who knows the name of Sam Shepard or Edward Albee or Ionesco or Beckett should know Irene Fornes's name, but not enough people do. Lisa, could you... Talk to us a little bit about who Irene was and why she matters. I believe that Irene was part of the birth of abstract impressionism in the theater in the United States. She was influenced by the a production, a French production of Waiting for Godot, and at the time was a painter and actually studied with Hans Hoffmann, who was an abstract impressionist painter. That colored her writing, sort of just like took a stick of dynamite to you know, the traditional plot, you know, hero's journey type of play. And I don't think was necessarily against that, but for her, it was a more of an exploration than a product. She influenced so many different playwrights, like all roads lead back to Irene. All of the playwrights that I, even before I started writing, that I admired or wanted to act in their plays or just read their plays, they all led back to Irene. Either they worked with her, you know, at, at Padua Playwrights Festival or in New York, or they studied with her or were in one of her workshops. And I love this thing that you were talking about, about this idea of really engaging with the unconscious, you know, and I think she has that in common. I mean, there's a reason why I brought up Beckett and Ionesco and Sam Shepard. I think there are a lot of playwrights who operate in this way who are trying to engage with reality as we experience it, which sometimes doesn't neatly cohere to kind of systems of meeting, which is abstract and can be interpreted in many different ways, and which frankly might be a little bit more reassuring if it were more like a traditional hero's journey with a beginning, middle, and an end. I remember there was a story about Beckett where he was stabbed once he was um in in France he was stabbed by just a random assailant and he went to the trial and he asked the stabber um he asked the man who stabbed him why he did it and the man said I don't know <laughs> right which I think is very very I think that's a profound insight into human nature right we don't always understand why we do what we do and actually like the vast majority of our cognition is unconscious it happens before it reaches our conscious mind you know and then right. we kind of explain it to ourselves with our conscious minds and that's really yeah. true yeah the nobel prize winning neuroscientist eric kandel estimated that 80 to 90 percent of our thinking is unconscious and i don't think you can really actually change 
um, or break habits or understand the world anew without engaging in that layer of unconscious. And it's a wonderful gift that Irene gives us. Having studied with her, can you talk about like um, the way that she taught playwriting and, um, and if this idea of accessing the unconscious was present in that? It absolutely was. And I actually studied with Irene in the most kind of Irene-y way because it was sort of an accident. I actually hadn't started writing plays yet. I was like a secret writer. I would write poetry or in my journal or whatever I was, but I was literary director at Brava for Women in the Arts. Irene came out to conduct a workshop and also we um, did a workshop of her play last summer at Gossen Sauce. And so uh, somebody dropped out of the workshop and they were like, do you want to do it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I guess so, like, whatever. Um, and it ended up being, um, you know, I thought I was going to sit there with my pen and my notebook. And really, like, the first half of the workshop or class was physical. We would, like, get up, we'd jump up and down, we'd roll our heads like uh, almost like a yoga. It was, it was very much like most of the acting classes that I had been in for the you know, 10 years prior. And it was really about accessing, getting out of our heads, getting out of our intellect. And there was like drawing involved. There were like uh, lead in lines that, that were very like that morning, the air changed when, and, and it was really fun. It yeah. wasn't like um, you have to, this is the beginning and middle end of the play. It was, it was very much just and, and I remember in that class, and I actually got to tell her years later when she started losing her memory, that one of the most brilliant quotes, and actually that was when I started writing, she said, writing is like daydreaming on the page. And also, Irene never stopped working. Mm -hmm. I was in a production of her play, The Conduct of Life, 20 years after she originally wrote it in Los Angeles. She came out and worked on it with us. Wow. And changed the ending because she thought that our ending should be different based on the actors that were involved. That's incredible. You know, one of the things that I think artists can do for us is that there are these things that we can kind of experience or perceive, but don't have a way to put into words yet. Artists can be the ones that are very much in touch with those currents of a society, currents of a moment, who can put that into a form that we can recognize in some part of us and say like, oh, that's what that is. That's what that thing I've been feeling is, right? And they can give us um, access to more knowledge of ourselves. I've worked with so many playwrights over the years as a dramaturg. And I know that one of the things that happens that is always incredible for, for artists of any kind is when you can get into this kind of flow state, right? Where it almost feels like it's coming from somewhere outside of yourself that, you know, you don't even know what you're going to write, but there's, there's something that's speaking to you, right? And I, I think it is very much that the wisdom of the intuition, that way that artists, I think, are attuned to, to sensing and perceiving things that we know, but need to realize. In a way, I feel like, um... I went to junior college with, with Maria because I really only took one class, although I <laughs> spent a great deal of time with her just as the literary director and we mm -hmm. got drunk and art, you know, argued about Hedda Gobbler and, <laughs> and all these great other things, but like people like Luis Alfaro, Migdalia Cruz, Caridad Fitch, mm -hmm. who really studied with her, Tanya Saracho, right? Mm -hmm. 
I feel like there is there is such a trust in the work and that nothing is wasted. And having worked, had like the honor of working with Luis Alfaro this year, he uh, in a way channels Irene, you know, like mm-hmm. in some of these, and and there's such a trust, like even if we cut 40 pages of what, what we wrote, we save it mm-hmm. because Irene saved everything. Yeah. Like, you know, n- not on a computer, but in a, an actual box, almost like a, like a treasure hunt box, right? So there's such a trust in the process. Like mm-hmm. I might not use this now, but I'm gonna get out of out of my own way. I'm not gonna try to do this play right. I'm just gonna write and we'll we'll shave it down later and nothing will be wasted. We'll pull something out of the box later when we're stuck on another play. I love that so much. It makes me think about this book that I read. It's called The Extended Mind, The Power of Thinking Outside of the Brain. And it is very much about this idea that, you know, we kind of think of cognition as just being our conscious minds, the thoughts that we're aware of, but actually we do a vast deal more thinking than penetrates to our conscious mind. And that actually that there can be wisdom in those unconscious thoughts. There can also be traps and and anybody who's been in therapy, I think, can can attest to the fact that, you know, sometimes there are things that you sense that actually hold wisdom for you um, that can unlock you and, and, and help you get to the next level. Um, that you're not yet ready to recognize with your conscious mind, sometimes you can be trapped, right? But there's information there that is shaping your behaviors, your actions, your choices. The woman who wrote this book, The Extended Mind, talks about the power of externalizing information so that there are various ways that we can kind of use to access some of that knowledge that we've been holding in, you know, our unconscious reactions, what's happening in our bodies, right? Which is why I love Irene's exercises of bringing playwrights into their bodies and, and a myriad of other ways that we, that we use to kind of access that information that we can't see, um, but that is incredibly powerful in shaping the way we live our lives. I think of art as another way of kind of externalizing information, right? That mm-hmm. that like that art can give us a way of um, recognizing or understanding, right? If we give ourselves over to the experience, if we are present with it, if we go along with what the play or the work of art is 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 the journey that they're it's taking us on without trying to necessarily map it onto what we already know that we know that we can learn things about ourselves, about the world. Yes. In, in a way, it's like swimming. Like if we yeah. approach, if we approach a play with a clear mind, which is mm-hmm. in a way what the exercises we're trying to get the writers to, but as an audience, if we go into a play with a clear mind and we just say, we're just going to go in the water and trust that we're not, there's not going to be an undertow. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go for the right. And instead of trying to analyze yeah. While we're watching, just try to breathe and experience the play. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, yeah, we ruminate about it. Absolutely. You're gonna have a much more but 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 our society is set up in a way where a lot of us read the, the reviews or read critiques before we even see a play or a movie or anything, a dance yeah. theater piece or whatever, so that we have these preconceived notions about what we're gonna watch, where I don't want I don't read anything. Mm-hmm. I just go and when the lights go down, I just am like, I'm like a kid at Disneyland yeah. you know, at three years old, just like, oh my God, magic's about to happen. Yeah. And then, 
and just kind of go for the ride. And sometimes I don't even like to talk about the play until the next day <laughs> because I want it to just be my experience. But I think, especially with a play like a Fornes play, especially with Fefu, it was set in the 30s uh, deliberately because Irene wanted to explore these conversations and ways of thinking that were pre-Freud, mm -hmm. that were pre-analytical. Yeah. And so as an audience, it might be a really cool exercise to go in that way, to go Absolutely. in way, you know, with no analyze, like, oh, I'm not going to judge these women. I'm not going to, I'm just going to experience it. Let it, let it touch me. Yeah. However it touches me. And I, the, the great thing about Fefu is all the characters are so rich yeah. and there is one that everybody will be able to identify with, you know, and we all have every aspect of mm -hmm. I mean, we all have a Fefu in us. We all have like, you know, the other characters yeah. in us uh, at certain points in our lives. So absolutely. I know that one thing that I have tried to release over my career in, in the arts is something that I feel is very present in our culture, which is that we're all supposed to have an immediate opinion about everything right? To know exactly what it means and what we think about it and to have the quote unquote right answer, you know, without necessarily having the time to kind of process, right? And I think what that does is that it can lock us into, it can block us out of new experience. It can block us out of evolution growth, right? Like some of the plays that have meant the most to me some of the works of art that have been the most transformative I didn't know what I thought about them at first mm. and I had to kind of sit with them a little bit and, and and think and I and I just feel like when I gave myself to freedom to be like I don't know what that means but you know here's what I noticed about it and here's what it evoked in me and god I'm oh, fascinated with this one image you know when I when I give myself the freedom to do that I get so much more out of the art like it can call things forth in me that i know unconsciously that i need to hear right yes exactly and, um, can help me get around the blocks that i may be putting with my conscious mind right i love that i mean i'm kind of like the irritating friend that doesn't like to discuss plays <laughs> or dance or movies yeah. or whatever after i see like i actually really need to yeah or i allow myself to ruminate yeah I love ruminating and it depends on who I'm talking. Like, I feel like I speak, I think in conversation sometimes. So if I, if I'm with a friend who I feel like I have the freedom to talk with and we just give ourselves permission to not know, right. <laughs> to not know what the artist intended or all of that. And just to talk about what we noticed, how it resonated that actually, you know, and I think it's just everybody has different styles and there's room for all of these different styles. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, giving yourself permission to not know and to experience is, can be incredibly powerful. There's this quote that's in Fefu, Fefu and her friends at the beginning. It's something that Fefu says. She gives the kind of, you know, she says she's uh, fascinated by things that revolt her. And, um, and she uses the metaphor of, you know, have you ever picked up a rock and looked underneath, you know, and did you find that fascinating? Yeah, that's fascinating, right? And she goes on to explain, she says, you see, that which is exposed to the exterior is smooth and dry and clean. That which is not underneath is slimy and filled with fungus and crawling with worms. It's another mm -hmm. life that's parallel to the one we manifest. 
it's there the way that worms are underneath a stone. If you don't recognize it, it eats you. You know, that's what's so great about the, um, the physical um, layout of Fefu also yeah. is that the different rooms are like different um, parts of one's brain or subconscious, mm. like just, just like a, if you're using the house as a metaphor to a human, yeah. the human brain or the human heart or the human body, like the different rooms are different aspects of both Fefu and all the women. And, and they are kind of like, when you go into the other rooms, you're kind of, you kind of are lifting the rock there. But I, I love that That's because funny. Irene is trying to get to the underbelly. Trying in, to get to the underbelly, yeah. of her plays, like mm -hmm. in mud, like literally mud, you know, yeah. uh, Fefu. But I, I, and I love how uh, the, the first production of Fefu, she didn't write it originally with all the rooms. It was written That's out right. of necessity. Because yeah. there wasn't enough space and and she was uh, writing it in this loft space and and there was uh this office study, right? That she was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. And, yeah, and then yeah. they went into the green room and she's like, Oh, well, that could be this. And then they went into the other yeah. room, and that could be that. And 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 like talk about trusting trusting your process. And trusting your impulses, right? And yeah. I think one of the things that happens when you trust in that is that you give power again to the parts of your mind that knows something that your conscious mind isn't yet ready to see. I do think that when we see a play where there's not that kind of thesis statement speech that tells us like what the playwright is going for, that sometimes it can be anxiety provoking, right? We all want to sound smart, you know, and if we don't know necessarily what the playwright, if the playwright's not telling us explicitly the message they want us to receive, right? That that can provoke anxiety. So what's, what's the value of that? I was thinking about the fact that every human culture basically has some way of trying to access knowledge by working around our conscious minds, right? In contemporary Western culture, we might think about like Roshark test, but also like tarot cards. That's another way of doing that. Or like in ancient, you know, Greece, like they'd open the intestines of a bird, you know, and they'd, and they'd try and see patterns in that. We're reading tea leaves, right? And really all of that is, is that your mind is recognizing patterns unconsciously that have meaning that your conscious mind isn't yet ready to see, right? Mm. And I think that that's it's important that we need, we need to do this. There's a reason why that's been, you know, invented in so many different ways by so many different cultures. I also think about the fact that when something is not nailed down, when its meaning is not made explicit, that we have to co-create it in our own mind. The playwright Terrell McCraney once said that one of the things that he loves about theater is that an actor stands on an empty stage and says, I'm here on my grandmother's porch. And each one of us is going to imagine our version of what that is. You know, maybe our grandma actually had a porch or maybe there's a porch for somebody who was like a mentor to us, right? But it's going to call up a memory that's going to be specific and personal to us. And I really think that that realm of memory and emotion and physical experience actually is the deepest level of wisdom and knowledge. It's hugely influential in our decision-making. It's not always, you know... <laughs> correct? Sometimes we, but we have to be able to see it or it eats us, right? As Fefu says. Young mm -hmm. says, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our lives and we will call it fate. There's this wonderful 
one more quote. <laughs> this is wonderful woman named Maxine Green, who had the enviable title of the philosopher in residence at the Lincoln Center Institute. But she called, she described the capacity of art to um, allow us to question the fixed and the taken for granted and mm. to open up windows onto the possible. This is something that Beckett talked about as well, a way of just getting ourselves out of our habitual ways of thinking, our mental traps, and to be able to access another possibility something that we hadn't considered if like part of me just wishes that people could watch a play like they listen to jazz or allow their minds to wander what or maybe not jazz maybe other kinds of music i just happen to be a jazz jazz mm -hmm. fan or even watching dance there's yeah. i find that my mind wanders and is kind of like marveled by watching four musicians on stage take turns and do their variations of the same song. But my mind wanders more in music yeah. and dance. I feel like because Irene had the background in painting mm. and loved music so much yes. um, that a lot of times when I've seen her works or been in her works, it very much had the sense of we're all musicians, we're all making this together. And it, and it really is like a, like a Swiss clock almost in yeah. that here we are, we're all working together. And it's like, boom, 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 your turn, my turn, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a music. Yeah. Which I find really beautiful. The music was so important in her work and the images were so important in her work. She directed so, uh, you know, oh, her own yeah. plays, right? And I think it's because she's using all of these languages of theater and really calling on our sensory experience. But there's this brilliant composer that I want to work with who described um, music as a thought in three dimensions, right? That it pulls on those unconscious kind of tidal parts of yourself, the experiential, the sensory, married together with your conscious mind, you know, which is in the, in the lyrics perhaps, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, which I really, That's I thought beautiful. was a beautiful way to describe it. And I think that her, that her plays offer thought in three dimensions as well. Yeah, I mean, you could probably pinpoint almost every one of her plays and pick a different instrument. Yeah, that's characters. right. Didn't she start directing her own plays when somebody else didn't direct, or didn't like, was that out of necessity? Because I was feel out like, of necessity. I she feel did, like she, she started out like having other directors direct her work. And I think she just found, because I think she was thinking imagistically and sonically yeah. and, yeah. you know, yeah. And in Michelle Merman's incredible film, um, The Rest I Make Up, mm -hmm. there is actually footage of her directing and showing yeah. an actor like how to hop or like <laughs> take a cup of coffee or tea or something. And it's quite, it's quite beautiful. And she also did her own sets or, you yeah. know, created her own sets That's and right. uh, created sets for plays that she directed. Yeah. You know, that weren't her own. Okay, this is so delightful and we could talk forever, but let's end this pre part of the conversation and then we'll uh, record another podcast, which is after. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you, Lisa. This is so much fun. Yes, um, I'm so right. excited for you guys. Yeah, I hope you all enjoy the play and I, I really look forward to speaking with all of you about it afterwards.